Hello and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sound of Play 45. That first request was from Toki from the forum, who uh, just had these few words to say, brilliant world map music. <laughs> it's a, a brief review, but um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an accurate summation of the song. That is The Land in Which You Begin by Revo, or Revo, he's the front man of a Japanese fantasy symphonic band, Sound Horizon, who composed the soundtrack for Bravely Default the 3DS exclusive RPG from 2012, which ended up um, kind of returning or signaling a return to form for Square Enix, who 
Um, I guess that was counted as one of their most traditional RPGs they've done in a long time, and, and fans really appreciated that return to the to the origins of the genre, as they were some of the pioneers of that. But if we have anybody listening to this on their morning commute, on their way to work or school or whatever, uh, that's a good way to start off the day. That's some good rousing, you know, adventure <laughs> music. It, it, it's nice yeah. and soft, but it has a, a real optimistic attitude to it while still being kind of minor key and kind of uh, subdued as well. So excellent choice from uh, from Toki from the forums. Anyways, every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Ryan Heyman and Sound of Play 45 is Ryan Quintle from Pixels Weekly. Hey, Ryan. I'm so excited to be here. We've been... Um, you know, talking because we both have the same first name and we're trying to muscle out everybody else in the podcasting business who doesn't adhere to our new Ryan world order. That's right. You're listening to Ryan and Ryan in the morning. <laughs> it's a little R&R time. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like <laughs> so uh, do you want to briefly explain just what, sorry, I don't mean to preemptively suppose that you're going to take too much time by... <laughs> <laughs> by hammering in the point that it must be brief. No, Please yeah, do yeah. take as much time as you would like to explain uh, just what Pixels Weekly is and just what you do on the podcast. Um, well, if if your fine program and, and say, the cane and rinses of the world are, um, are a fine bourbon of video game podcasts, we are sort of a Bud Light Lime. <laughs> well you got the lime in there so. yeah there's, and the lime is very important we we're uh, a video game podcast that's uh there's there's three me and two co-hosts uh yannick guillemot and sandy uh Beatrice, and we talk about video games we kind of do a little mixture of news and then we go into different topics um like uh women in games or sometimes very broadly like blizzard entertainment and looking at the history of them and you know hopefully it'll be nice to coming up and doing e3 stuff do stuff like the history of e3 and what that stuff means so and then we well, have that's pretty you cool know, actually yeah it's fun and, and there's a lot of yucks and but i'm i'm ready <laughs> to to put on my npr hat <laughs> and get classy for for sound to play well, do feel free. Uh, Sound of Play is a little bit more casual than the main Cane and Rinse podcast, but uh, we like to have some fun around here. <laughs> and I won't, I promise I will not do an accent for too long. <laughs> uh, women in games, you know, nobody's talking about that these days. It's just really <laughs> exciting to see people on the real cutting edge of these issues. Here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, we, we give ourselves permission because there is a girl on the panel. And so between uh, me, a, a Frenchman, <laughs> European, and, uh, and a girl, we cover it all. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a black friend. So, you know, we're okay. <laughs> Nothing like a good token person. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, um... And I'm going to be on a an episode of, of that show as well. And so there's going to be a little bit of a um, crossover there as well. So if, if listeners of this show want to check out Pixels Weekly, but decide, you know, uh, it's scary to go into a new place where I don't know anybody, mm. then there will at least be one familiar voice. And uh, I think by the time that this episode, we're recording this in advance, uh, comes out, the episode that I was on on Pixels Weekly would have already happened, but uh, either way, go and uh, hunt that down, check it out, and yes, also check out the rest of their backlog. How many episodes have you done by now? So we're uh, only on episode 14, so we're still kind okay. of new and, and fleshly. Hey, fresh faces. Very good. Yes. <laughs> 
We've not become jaded by the... <laughs> well, plenty of that, but, you know. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we are here to talk about video game music, as we do every Wednesday. And uh, you've brought a, a few selections of your own. Do you want to introduce your first selection of video game music? Sure. Uh, so for, for my first track, I wanted to, uh, and with all my tracks today, kind of give people a piece of my video gaming history. And mm, I mm. want to start off with... Uh, Storm Eagle uh, from Mega Man X, which is is perhaps my number one favorite game of all time for various reasons. But this particular track, I feel like is is everything that Mega Man X is about. Uh, it's it's frenetic and electric and synthetic and many many other words that rhyme with attic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just love it. Yes, it's, it's diabetic. It's, uh... <laughs> it's it's diabetic. It's eclectic. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so what is your history with Mega Man X? Um, I my first console ever was Super Nintendo and um I I was playing Mario, you know, in the sort of Nintendo S games at the time, but Mega Man X just came around and here was this game that just kicked my butt. Um <laughs> and I I think it was at the time where video game music was was every track was reasonably brief, so they looped mm. a lot. Um, and a combination of dying a lot and trading the controller off these, these songs became kind of burned into my memory. And I think I know the whole soundtrack. I can sing it for you. Mm. Oh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Is this one of the, uh, is this one of the soundtracks that restarted the song every time he died or did just keep the the music going? Um, I think they re- yeah, they restarted it okay. every single time, yeah. So you became pretty acquainted with the first few seconds. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and blew, blew, blew when I died. <laughs> Anyways, so as a lot of Japanese compositions go, uh, it's a little difficult to track down who composed each track. I'm sure the information's out there, but, um, you know, I've not been immensely immersed into the Mega Man uh, multiverse in the past, and so... The composers of the soundtrack were Setsuo Yamamoto, Makoto Tomozawa, Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takihara, and Toshihiko Horiyama. And so some combination of those folks were the composer on this one, (laughs) uh, the theme from Storm Eagle Stage from Mega Man X back in 1993. And this is some good old-fashioned Mega Man music.
that song is very video gamey as far as music oh, goes, yes. which is one of the things that I love about it. It has that energy and it has that kind of like nonstop, just that fight to it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It wants you to, to, to shoot to the beat almost. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and how did I, you know, I haven't played Mega Man X myself. There's a few kind of <laughs> major blind spots in my backlog. Like I like to think of myself as being fairly literate with video games, but um, I've always been a little bit intimidated by Mega Man because uh, they are kind of that old Nintendo hard. Um, how yeah. does, does the music kind of reflect um, Storm Eagle himself in any way? Or is that, uh, is it just kind of a, a, a nice musical theme? There's kind of, uh, there's a large part of that level that is, the whole level takes place kind of in the air, if you will. So mm. there's an airplane hanger in the background and just kind of everything throughout the level at all moments is moving. So you do have a sort of, in that level, something that's driving you. But I, I think there's something to the entire 90s Japanese video game music uh, style that is reminiscent of like mm. hardcore like 80s metal American mm. stuff um, yeah. and so I can just imagine like going all out with synthesizers and real guitars on on almost every single track from that game the Mega Man series in particular the ones on the NES have a pretty extensive history of being covered by metal bands and yeah. they always sound great you know those uh, Mega Man 2 and 3 songs especially just really shred mm. yeah totally <laughs> We're going on to another request from the forum. This is Maxstat, who says, Lately I've been playing some Stardew Valley, and music in it is very catchy. From cheerful sounds of colorful spring to the sleepy tunes of cold winter, here's a little sample. This is Winter Ancient by Eric Barone, kind of the, the single-man team behind Stardew Valley. And in doing a little bit of research for this, I discovered that he's actually from Seattle as well. Um, I wonder if I ever... Kind of, have run into him at any point because i'm I, I like to think that i know of uh you know most or or some of the um local independent folks because you know i'm from seattle as well and uh but I'm, not, I'm not remembering if i've ever met him or not but uh anyways i haven't had the chance to play stardew valley but it has been catching on on, on steam and uh, youtube and twitch just immensely since its release it looks kind of like a harvest moon type game mm. um but we've featured a song from it on uh, on one of the interviews that we've done with Alfie Bound in the past on Kanan Rinse, but um, otherwise I am not all that well acquainted with the music, but this is a nice piece. It's, it's very uh, kind of subdued and relaxed, as you would expect from something that's more kind of a relaxing harvest moon escape from the hectic society and return to the kind of pastoral roots uh type games um kind of has a, a flavor of animal crossing or something in it and uh, just some really nice uh instrumentation in there as well comes across really pleasant really kind of just sparkly and uh and relaxing uh, this comes from 2016 just a year after the similarly acclaimed single man project undertale which had another uh excellent soundtrack and so it's it's always really interesting to me to see these one-man teams or one-woman teams or whatever it be who are able to not only program an excellent game and you know do some uh, really fantastic writing and create all the sprites and stuff but also you know compose a really 
uh, I don't want to say competent, you know, that sounds a little derogatory, but uh, like an excellent soundtrack to go along with it because those are completely different um, skill sets. And I think the first uh, times that I saw this happen was Cave Story was a single man project and uh, To the Moon was Ken Gao from Toronto, who we interviewed on the, uh, on the, uh, as a written feature on the website, uh, if you want to check that out. But yeah, just these single man projects are just always really intriguing to me. So I'll have to get around to looking at Stardew Valley eventually. But until then, this is Winter Ancient, in parentheses, by Eric Barone. Ryan, have you ever played Stardew Valley before? You know, it's it's funny you say that because Stardew Valley is so up my alley, uh, mm-hmm. but I only have a Mac and, and an Xbox mm-hmm. and a PlayStation, and mm. and this is just one of those games that everything about it is is almost enough to make me spend as much as it costs to buy an mm. entire PC to play it. Wow. And um, 
yeah that that track is really beautiful it makes me feel like the winter frost is coming to cold my crops over (laughs) and um there's yeah to your to your earlier point it's almost not fair these one-man teams you have uh i know (laughs) recently thomas happ and axiom verge too where he did all the graphics and the the programming the music and i Mm. i don't know where it all comes from but boy is it cool yeah, some real talented folks out there and just these multidisciplinary, uh, just marvelous. Yeah. Um, oh, always really need to see them come to the, to the, the front of the, to the front of the pile, so to speak. <laughs> if we could only borrow their brain for a couple of days, the things we could accomplish. Yeah, that's right. You know, I've noticed that the tracks that you've selected, and we'll get to another one of those in just a second, are all from the late 90s, that kind of uh, <laughs> PlayStation era. And so I'm assuming that, um, you know, Stardew Valley is connecting with you because that was kind of the time period in which this type of game was really at its at its height. And so, you know, I don't know if that was your... Um, you guys golden age of gaming but uh you know that was back when the harvest moons and and similar games were were coming out yeah i was always a big uh sim city fan and uh which has a very sort of nice jazzy soundtrack going in the back of it the whole time and i guess what i assumed ryan is of course that i mm-hmm. would have one chance to share <laughs> with the the uh sound of play audience uh some of my favorite video game tracks so i kind of selected the ones that were you know very important to me hmm. but uh mm-hmm. yeah certainly i mean gosh uh, you guys basically have played a ton of other really great ones the mass effect <laughs> stuff and so much stuff from final fantasies and, and all of that yeah well 45 episodes in with uh a, an average of nine per show you know we we go through a lot of music on the show here yeah <laughs> but there's always plenty more to draw from and they're almost you know they're making it faster than we can even feature it there's so many <laughs> Excellent composers working out there today. Uh, anyways, do you want to talk about another late 90s gem that you're bringing us? <laughs> it's uh, it's so funny that I didn't even realize it was all from the late 90s until you told me <laughs> it was all from the late 90s, which uh, maybe I can have a couch session with myself later to <laughs> talk me through that. But um, Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so uh, Tommy Tallarico is the composer of this next track, and he was... Um, I don't know if you remember G4 TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was he was a personality on that network, and he had a, a games review show with this guy named Victor Lucas called Versus, mm. and they were kind of the, oh, I give it a thumbs up, and I give it a thumbs down. So I really liked his personality from that. I was reading on Wikipedia that he's the cousin of Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Is that right? No kidding. He's kind of got the look. <laughs> he does. I- that's not a terribly flattering thing to say to a person. <laughs> well, maybe the lippish region is <laughs> referring to. Um, but, but he does seem like a like an interesting fellow from the little bit of history that I was reading. But I'm not uh, familiar with his composition work. But uh, yeah, this is an interesting piece. And it's a lovely, again, really clear instrumentation and, and almost a little bit of a Monkey Island vibe on this one. Yeah, totally. Uh, this actually, this track is... Um, in 1998, uh, PlayStation Magazine used to come with these demo discs. Mm-hmm. This is how we would try out mm, new games. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and this game, Treasures of the Deep, was one of the levels. And, and basically the only level was on the demo was the one that played this song. Uh, I think there there may have been a second one, but my brothers and I were just so entranced by this underwater 3D world that we had only kind of seen a little bit in a Mario 64 Mm-hmm. That um, 
you know, we, we probably played that demo 200 times. And so, again, this is another indelibly inked thing into our memories. Over the past week, I've been writing a feature for another website, actually, about game demos back in the day. And it makes me think about, um, you know, recently we featured a song from uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, just a few seconds of it as a joke. We usually like to stay away from licensed music. But that was the that song that played in the demo, and it has since become synonymous with the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series you know here i am doing everything i can <laughs> growing uh, older all the time <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah uh but that song became like a staple of our generation almost because totally. it was on the demo and we played that demo to death because you know that was uh one of those things and it was it's interesting because demos these days aren't as big of a deal like they aren't as ubiquitous as they used to be and um my article that I wrote kind of examined like why that is and what has come to replace them. But I'm always really interested in the songs that feature on demos because they have a way of, of really kind of etching themselves into our mind. True. My next selection gets into that a little bit to preempt that. But um, before we do that, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit more about what Treasures of the Deep is? Because uh, it's not one that I'm familiar with off the top of my head. Yeah, well, I mean, I mostly played the demo, so I don't know if I can <laughs> well, tell you. Well, should be a representative sample. <laughs> yes, um, based on what I understand. Uh, in, <laughs> in this game, you are sort of a uh, deep sea underwater diver who is uh, sort of searching out treasures, but also you kind of have a limited arsenal of defensive weapons for Hmm. for scary sharks and other sorts of maybe underwater mines and hazards that one might Hmm. encounter it was on that cusp of like playstation one era like realism versus you know super video (laughs) gaming video game mechanics um but i i wanted to uh because i was i listened to that episode as i've I've listened to almost every episode of this show and i take umbrance with you sir i really love that tony hawk track and all all the trashy (laughs) songs that are on the tony hawk soundtrack (laughs) they've become kind of like like i kind of recognize that it is very like late 90s early 2000s ska music oh yes absolutely (laughs) it is it definitely holds a place in my heart just like that uh that similarly kind of I don't want to say terrible, but I, that's the word I'm going to go with. That song from Sonic Adventure 2. What is it? Oh, uh, running around at the speed oh of sound. Got places to go. Gotta follow my <laughs> rainbow. Oh, no. Like that, that, that type of video game music that just really gets into your head. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I do love it all, but I realize that it's not because it's especially, especially wonderful. <laughs> it's true. It's, uh, it's definitely among the uh pantheon of sounds that kind of like everything's great at your june you know it's just like <laughs> it stays uh-huh. <laughs> anyways this is shipwreck by tommy tallarico <laughs>
And to continue the demo theme, we did not coordinate this beforehand. It's kind of funny how this all worked out. This is a really interesting song with an interesting backstory that takes us from Japan to Pizza Hut to Nicolas Cage, as all great stories do. (laughs) Uh, This is the landing from Final Fantasy VIII, uh, specifically the Final Fantasy VIII demo, because this version of the song was deemed to be too similar to a song that Hans Zimmer composed for the Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage film, The Rock. Wow. Uh, the film where they are, I don't know, escaping Alcatraz? Yeah. Or, no, they are infiltrating Alcatraz oh, oh. as a terrorist group has set up shop there. It's a Michael Bay production. And it's actually pretty good. Uh, it's a it's a fun time, especially if you have uh, an appreciation for Cage's style of acting. <laughs> Which um, some do. But, <laughs> But anyways, I'm going to drop in a a little short sample of that song from The Rock right here. And yeah, so that is a, a taste of that. And kind of listen for that. Keep that in your mind as we're listening to this track from the Final Fantasy VIII demo. I got this demo from Pizza Hut as they were giving out demo discs along with their personal pizzas. And, you know, we've we've just been talking about how influential these uh, demo discs were in our upbringing, so to speak, and how it was almost like it was as much fun as getting a new game. Because while they were kind of incomplete narrative experiences, like together, five or six incomplete experiences were hours and hours and days of entertainment and you know novelty for people who you know can't just download demos like who can now right um this is back in the playstation one era uh, and this track was released in 99 um but yeah it, it is interesting that this track was flagged as being too similar and i don't know if they got in trouble i don't know if somebody noticed uh as they were playing the demo and they had to compose something slightly different for the um for the main soundtrack but it's been driving me crazy for years because the song has always been stuck in my head like, ever <laughs> since i played this demo as a kid and then as i got older and started you know getting into video game soundtracks i hunted them down because you know it'd be fun to listen to these old songs that i don't really have a way of hearing anymore and it was just nowhere to be found on the final fantasy 8 soundtrack and that's an extensive soundtrack and so you know, i was kind of surprised that a song that I remember from one of the pivotal moments of the game uh, was uh, just entirely absent from the soundtrack. And so it wasn't until just recently that I decided to do a little bit of research and I hunted it down and uh, ended up finding this this story of how Nobuo Uematsu's Final Fantasy composition was flagged as being a little too similar to something that Hans Zimmer has done. I don't know if it was intentional or just kind of great minds think alike, but interesting how these kinds of things happen (laughs) so this is the landing alternate by nobuo uematsu
Uh, Ryan, have you played any of the Final Fantasy games in the past? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I, I actually have been doing some streams of Final Fantasy VII to test myself okay. of, is this truly love or is it nostalgia? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. And I'm happy to report back that it's love. It's it's still a really great game. Um, okay. I didn't play much of eight, but it, it's that track was so great, and and hmm. I'm I'm adding it to my collection of, of Final Fantasy <laughs> tracks. I love it. It says something about that that composer Uematsu that he you know he gets tracks thrown out that are much better than some that are kept in a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you almost wonder like how much hits the cutting room floor with somebody as a legendary as Uematsu here. You can only imagine. We've had a lot of, uh, final fantasy music requested on the podcast before from, um, our panelists and from the community as well. Uh, we've never talked final fantasy on Kane and Rince because it's a pretty tall order. It's a very extensive series at this point of, uh, extraordinarily long games <laughs> that maybe eventually yeah. we'll get along, uh, get around to, to chatting about it. But, um, do you have any favorites from the final fantasy series? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan, obviously of seven. And mm-hmm. then I, I honestly, I try to love 10, but there's something about Titus and the main character that I just don't find uh, endearing mm. at all. And and Seven has so many great tracks, including, um, you know, the Turks have a kind of bo do do dum bo bo that I yeah I I thought about sharing on this episode, but I was like, no, not yet. We have other things to get to. Final Fantasy X has been getting a lot of uh, attention lately, as it has been just re-released on Steam. Uh, kind of following the PS4 re-release of 10 and 10.2. And so I've seen on Twitter a lot of people giving it a second look, which is always fun. It always bugged me in Kingdom Hearts. They pronounce that character's name Titus. And I don't know if that was always the canonical pronunciation uh, (laughs) because I don't think they say it in the game Final Fantasy X because you could name your character anything. So they probably just uh, sidestep it right but i'm not remembering whether they say it or not but yeah it was you know me and everybody that i knew always pronounced it titus yes. but maybe that's one of those uh you know japanese things that's i guess they would pronounce it with a t sound so well i've got a very simple solution for this and it, it's i always uh-huh. <laughs> try to this is like the gif and jif debate which we've mm-hmm. had on pixels uh but uh, i go with if if it is titus then you're telling me that I use teed dish detergent. <laughs> and I refuse to believe that. Yeah, it's a little too close to tedious, which I think kind of hits the yeah, character on the oh, head as goodness, well. So, yeah. you know, maybe they should be trying to distance themselves from that pronunciation. Uh, but it has been actually fun that I've uh, been seeing a lot of the screenshots from Final Fantasy X that folks have been posting as they've been talking about the game recently. And, uh, it's kind of amazing. I mean, obviously they've touched up the remaster, but some of the art direction in that game is just really super strong, uh, really evocative. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the way that a lot of those summons move and um, it's just, it felt really advanced for a PlayStation two game, which I realized, you know, PlayStation two was the era that brought us shadow of the Colossus and a lot of monster hunter games. And so there was a lot of really excellent animation and monster design on that console already so you know i don't mean to downplay that but you know it just surprised me like that looked better than a lot of the monster designs that we're seeing in games today well i think there's something also to what you're experiencing that is um the playstation 2 era especially you know with xbox and the competition you you had a Mm -hmm. lot of 
shootery brown sort of games and final fantasy 10 is has such a color palette to mm. it and such a distinct feel that um you know it's totally standout yeah and i almost wonder if the kind of lower fidelity graphics added to the work that the animators were able to do if the characters all have simpler skeletons then it would be a little bit easier for them to bend and stretch and move in more natural ways as we've seen in uh, jack and daxter and ratchet and clank back in the days uh, which is something that we don't see nowadays as much and so i wonder if that has to do with the uh, uh, kind of simpler technology or the more complex technology of today is putting more limitations on the animation departments yeah, I'm sure le- less is left up to interpretation and is mm. kind of just like, okay, how would a body actually move? With all this detail, we only have so many ways that the body can move <laughs> without pieces clipping through other pieces. Right. And, and like a book, yeah. our imagination is often better than what can, can be actually produced. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, so you are bringing us a very highly acclaimed piece next. This is a uh, a Grammy Award winner, is that right? I or believe so. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah i I wanted to play this one also because it's a little topical. Civilization Six is being talked about mm. recently, um, right. but Civ Four was my first Civilization, and um, uh, this this track. I just remember booting up the game and experiencing this song. And I was in. I was like, it doesn't kind of matter what this mm. game is. I I already love it. Um, it's called Baba Yetu by Christopher Tin. I I get the easy name, the composer name on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something about this song that is like epic and worldly and hopeful and sort of like pan religious. Um, and yeah, it's it. To the our earlier point about imagination, it's where my imagination is when I'm building a civilization. Mm, yeah, it kind of has that. It's uh, uh, kind of African, like voices of the world type sound yeah, to it. Yeah, totally. I don't know what the words mean. I think mm. there. I I understand that some of it is like Swahili or something. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, and this was yeah given a a Grammy for best. And I'm not going to remember now the the best soundtrack song single <laughs> best from vocal performance containing Swahili lyrics for a video game <laughs> in, in 2005. Uh, I totally well, know what it was. Mean. It was it was kind of a a prestigious award because it's usually um, this type of like a single song selected from a soundtrack is usually given to a film score. And so this is the first time that it was given to something within video games. And so it was a uh, kind of a celebratory moment at that point. Like, Hey, we've finally made it, it, so to speak. (laughs) And I dare anybody after they listen to this track to not be humming it on their way to work or when they're, you know, in line at the bank or something. So this is Baba Yetu by Christopher Tin, or is it teen? Yes. Hey, my cousin, you're too hey. I'm gonna sit on your 
So my first experience with Civilization was playing uh, Civilization Revolution on my iPhone. It was a it was either on sale or was free for a limited amount of time yeah. back in back when I was in probably my early college days. And I remember playing it as I was falling asleep. And um, you know, it was it was one of those like just one more turn type things. Yeah. And I decided like it's time for me to you know turn off and actually <laughs> actually go to sleep. And so I turned off the phone and put it down and had a couple moments in the following, you know, hour or so where I believed that I was still playing it. <laughs> like I saw turns happening in my head yeah. and it was like, it was so vivid. Like I believed it was still happening. And I talked to my, I, I told myself like, okay, it's time to stop this and put it down. And then I looked at my hands and there was nothing in my hands any longer. And I kind of had a, just one of those real weird moments of of lucid like i've been doing this wrong uh <laughs> apparently but it's uh it was kind of a kind of a frightening experience you were leaving the meat realm and going into the virtual yeah <laughs> space yes fiction and reality started to bend you know it's funny that you call out uh revolution as being your first experience because mm -hmm. the, i would say the civilization franchise is do something kind of special, which is the the revolution version of them is kind of crafted for mobile, but it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like a cheap trick. Like a yeah, yeah. Uh, it it it's a very very much civilization. It's it's a great game. Yeah, they are really good. Uh, at least the first one. I've not played Civ Rev Two, and then they ported Revolution to the Xbox 360, I believe, as well, mm -hmm. which I haven't had the chance to play. So I'm curious how different that one is now that it has been ported to a, a more powerful piece of hardware. Um, I guess it would have been more powerful than the iPhones of the time, but probably iPhones now are probably of comparable power wow. with the Xbox 360, yeah, which is scary. kind of frightening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we are going back to the PlayStation 2 era once more for another Japanese composition. Uh, this is from Clover Studios' Okami, which has just a lovely soundtrack, which is composed of uh, music with very kind of traditional Japanese instrumentation, um, which is very, very lush, very well recorded, but it is distinctly very traditional Japan, which fits with the style of the uh, of the game, of course, and it's so unique to listen to it's uh maintaining those old conventions and those old instruments and stuff but it's a little bit more high energy than you would get in those traditional japanese pieces and it does feel like a nice in between of traditional japanese music and video game type music but it's a really wonderful really rich and uh full soundtrack so uh, hunt that down. I think we featured a couple pieces of it in the past, but this is my personal favorite piece from that soundtrack. This is the Seankyu Commoners Quarter by Masami Ueda, Hiroshi Yamaguchi, Rei Kondo, 
and or some combination of those folks and or Akari Groves. And this piece is played in the uh, kind of the central city, like the big city in this game uh, that you uh, reach in the second half of the adventure after the, um, well, I won't, I won't go into the structure of Okami's story. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It gets, a little, it gets a little complicated, but uh, uh, it leads you to think that one part of the world is the entire game, and then it opens up uh, quite a bit more later on to be rather spoiler-free with it. Um, but we do talk about Okami in Canon Rinse issue 61, a very old one. So if you want to go back and get a more thorough retelling of that story, then please do hunt that down. But... Uh, yes, this piece of music in particular is kind of swashbuckly, kind of pirate-like a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I don't know what about this piece of music makes me think that. I think it kind of has bells that remind me of ship bells, like you'd hear in kind of a yeah. dock city or something. But I do love that it becomes so much more lush about halfway through and kicks in a lot more uh, harmonies underneath the melody and really just it gets big halfway through the song mm. um and it's a subtle change on the soundtrack that is the transition between two tracks but it flows nicely there's no gap in between those songs and so i've always just kind of viewed it all as being one track but it, it's so satisfying when it does kick into being that that bigger lusher sound so this is seonkyu commoners quarter from okami <laughs>
Now, do you have any experience with Okami or any of Clover Studios' creations back in the PlayStation 2 era? Now we're getting into sort of my blind spot in this episode, but hmm. I'm so glad you, you played this track because, like, I loved it. It's like this Japanese swing music or something. <laughs> and I, I missed Okami, um, and I I had a PlayStation 3. I haven't got it on PlayStation. In fact, I think... Mm-hmm. as this is happening there's kind of a sale you can get it for like four dollars or something on on the playstation store yeah you know that sounds right it'll be over by the time this is released oh. but um <laughs> yeah but it's it's definitely worth looking into and it is uh it does go on sale fairly frequently um this has been originally released on the ps2 which is the version that i played and it has been re-released on the wii and on the PS3 once again, and the PS3 is probably the way to play it these days because that is the only version that is in HD, and I think the game does benefit from that. And um, it even has PlayStation Move integration if you have the camera and the controller, so you can get some of those Wii-like uh, painting effects, mm. which which do does play into the mechanics of the game. So if you're looking for a a really unique a Zelda-like adventure, then it doesn't get a lot better than Okami. Very cool. And another piece from Capcom, actually, is uh, <laughs> yes. what you're bringing to us next. This is our uh, penultimate track for this one. Uh, we've got one more after this, but this is a piece from Resident Evil 2. So Resident Evil 2 is uh, one of these games that did start out as a demo experience for me, but I remember getting it finally, getting Resident Evil 2, and not really even having played much of the first one, and being introduced to this, you know, atmosphere of a, a, a rookie cop first day on the job and sort of, you know, the <laughs> typical worst first day ever uh, scenario where Raccoon City is overrun by zombies. And and you end up going into, you know, fighting your way past some hordes and getting to this police station, which you find out in and of itself is not very safe. It's sort of also infested um, and the library is one of the rooms. I don't know. I've, I've never seen another police station with such <laughs> an expansive <laughs> library of fine books. Um, not that I've seen many police stations, but, um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I've got to visit more, but the, the library is a kind of funny track because in this room and, uh, spoiler alert, I guess <laughs> if you haven't played Resident Evil two, but mm. in this room, there's you're relatively safe um there's not zombies in there it's kind of a puzzle-ish room but the track it was just still so haunting and unsettling that it didn't really Mm. give me any room to go ah like i know this is a safe space like it it, it was kind of looming over me that's interesting you know i've I've only briefly dabbled in the Resident Evil series in the past, and it's uh, kind of funny that we again get around to talking about demos. Um, I think it was Sean Bell of the Midnight Resistance podcast was actually just recently talking about the Resident Evil 2 demo, and uh, if it's not him, I apologize to whoever it was who who did talk about this. I just remember kind of hearing it that he believes that it was actually a pretty sizable portion of the game that was included on the disc it was just that they put a time limit on it and Mm. if you were able to accomplish your tasks you know relatively quickly or find faster ways to get through it then you could play a you know a pretty significant chunk of the game which is a funny way of doing it Uh, and it kind of encouraged some level of uh, speed running and sequence (laughs) breaking and stuff within the demo so 
And I like how that kind of thing, uh, how those community type things emerge around demos as well. I think there is some uh, special thing you get in Resident Evil if you're able to beat mm. the whole game in under like three hours or something, which is okay. quite the pace, but it's, it, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is The Library by Masami Ueda, uh, who was on our last track, actually. He's he's having a, a good day, <laughs> that Capcom composer. Uh, Shusaku Uchiyama and Sion Nishigaki from Resident Evil 2. We have one more track um, left to go, but before we do that, remember to please venture over to our forum at canonrinse.com forum, or give us a shout on our Twitter, at canonrinse. Uh, use the hashtag SOP. If you want to request tracks for the show, we always do appreciate community contributions. You can either submit them to us on the forum. We have a few um, topics going where people can, uh, can post music requests. Or um, you can tweet them at us. You can send it to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CanonRinse. Or uh, email us at podcast at CanonRinse.com. Just really any way you want to get these music requests to it. We will do our very best to play a selection of those in each episode. Um, you can request your favorites, and we'll continue to play a selection of those for each upcoming Sound of Play podcast. Uh, please do remember to subscribe to Sound of Play and leave us an iTunes review or rating. And um, also do check out Canon Rinse if you have not already. That is where most of our uh, Sound of Play team calls home. Thanks again to Ryan Quintal for coming on the show. And uh, would you like to uh, tell people where they can find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm at Ryan Quintel, but our, our podcast is at PixelsWeekly.com. Ryan Heyman here is going to be on the next episode. So <laughs> a very exciting celebrity get if you will. <laughs> um, and we're actually giving away, um, we are, as we're a new podcast, we're sourcing uh, iTunes reviews. So if, if you come and review our show, uh, we're picking our favorite review and giving them a year of PlayStation plus. Um, wow. so a fun little thing there. And, um, I just, before, you know, we get out of here, I'd be remiss if not to tell you, 
I'm so glad that you guys have gone weekly, and I think you you have a really great show mm. here, and I'm so excited for many more episodes of Sound of Play. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We're always uh, always really glad to hear that it's connecting with people. Uh, so yes, do check out uh, the Pixels Weekly, and hey, you might as well give it a review on iTunes and try to get that PlayStation Plus. That is a valuable commodity these days. <laughs> sure continues to be an excellent service have been very happy to have those free games appearing in my inbox every month mm, so many more songs <laughs> yes that's right i can be introduced to all sorts of new demos and, <laughs> yes. and full games really but um yeah i've been discovering some nice music through that actually so our final track for the show is requested from glenn watts from the forum once more uh, he has been a very frequent contributor to our requests this is uh, Jesper Kidd of Assassin's Creed fame started on the Genesis with stuff like this. Those are the words of Glenn Watts to describe Gotham by Night, Happy Birthday to Me, by Jesper Kidd. Yes, he is the composer of Assassin's Creed, and I, I do want to note he is not to be confused with Jasper Byrne, who has a very similar first name and a Y in his last name, uh, which I'd imagine at parties they must get mixed up <laughs> all the time, as he was the composer we featured on Sound of Play issue number 42 fairly recently. And so he is the composer and creator of Lone Survivor, as well as one of the composers on the Hotline, Hotline Miami games. Um, but this is a different fellow. <laughs> <laughs> but this is from the Adventures of Batman and Robin on the Sega Genesis. And from what I understand from the Wikipedia entry anyways, uh, it sounds like the Super Nintendo version and the Sega Genesis version had different composers and entirely different musical scores. Really? I don't know if they share any of the themes or if they're borrowing any of their uh, musical motifs from the uh, animated series, which this is based on. But yeah, it's interesting how every once in a while something like this will happen. Like I remember the... Uh, different versions of the RoboCop game had different soundtracks, including the um, the the Game Boy game with the almost unfairly perfect themes, <laughs> which was featured a, a few issues back, requested by CJ Black, I believe. But you know, if you don't know the uh, the Game Boy RoboCop theme, then definitely check it out because it's a beautiful composition, way more beautiful than any Game Boy game music deserves to be, but... I gotta go back and check this out now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hi, in the middle of this music recommendation. <laughs> um, the Yes, the theme from, from the Game Boy RoboCop. Excellent. But let's get back to the adventures of Batman and Robin on the Sega Genesis. This is another really kind of dark and kind of unsettling piece. And I don't know if it's the kind of strange sound that the uh, Sega Genesis sound card had uh, it, it did have a very unique sound to it and um I, but i don't know what it is about this piece that makes me a little uncomfortable but uh how were you feeling when you were listening to this Ryan? well it's got a lot of bendy synths doesn't it i've got yeah, like yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny that uh, i should have double checked at the show prep but i looked mm -hmm. at it i assumed it was the snes version and the second I heard it, I was like, this sounds like a Sega game. Um, so, yeah, I think there's <laughs> oh, something to that sound chip thing. It does. It sounds impossibly authentic to what Sega Genesis was, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, let, yeah, let's hear if, uh, see if you can 
uh, you, the listeners, can pick out anything that makes the track a little peculiar. And I guess give us a give us a shout on Twitter if you can pick out just what it is that makes this track interesting and weird. Because I'm always interested in hearing different people's perspective on the same music. But this is the kind of strange and intriguing Gotham by Night Happy Birthday to Me by Jesper Kidd. And we will see you next time. <laughs>